Welcome to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Typically, each day, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein receive more new voice bank questions than they can fit into a live show format. So, in this bonus program, caller questions will be served up and answered with brief but helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk and remember that the Anytime listener lines never close. 888-99 chart. Well, hello everybody and thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast. I'm Steve Peasley and we've been tracking our podcast download numbers. They have increased month over month. Now, of course, this is very good, but as you can imagine, more listeners result in more live callers and also a great number of voice bank questions. So we are, de- we are dedicating this show to pre-recorded caller questions. The calls that came in early at 888-99-CHART, and we were not able to get on the live show, get to the answer on the live show. So uh, we're going to have this bonus podcast. So let's go ahead and get started. Justin, this is Shannon in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you guys for everything you do. Podcast listener. I had a question about DEAC, Diamond Eagle Acquisition Corp. I guess they just merged with DraftKings, Fantasy Sports Gambling Online. I'm looking to buy. I just want to see about, am I too late? It looks like they're going to IPO soon. They're going to be like a $3.3 billion cap. Just want to see what you thought of the, you know, fundamentals of it or, you know, just the details. And if it's a good time to buy, the price it's at and what you guys think of it. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Okay, first of all, you never buy IPOs. DEAC, Diamond Eagle Acquisition, is a blank check company formed for the purpose of affecting a merger, capital stock exchange, asset acquisition. So you don't have any idea what they're doing. You have no idea if they're going to make money, not going to make money. It, it, you don't buy this kind of stock. You have, it's just a, a story. Yeah, so don't consider buying this company. There is no earnings history. There's no sales history. Don't buy. IPOs, wait till six months after the IPO comes out before you decide. Okay, here comes another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. I was just wondering what your thoughts on on Marathon Oil, MRO. This whole sector has taken a beating recently. Marathon seems to have a decent financial picture, but it's gone down with everything else. So, yeah, I was just wondering what you think. Thank you for your help. Bye-bye. Okay, okay. Marathon Oil, MRO, engaged in oil and gas exploration and production, oil sands mining, and integrated gas services worldwide. Probably those oil sands, I think, are out of Canada. They're going to make $0.39 cents a share this year after making $0.75 cents last year. That's almost a 50% reduction. And next year, they're supposed to bounce up to another $0.51 cents earnings in 2021. So, 51 cents and it's an $8.11 stock. So that means it's fairly low price company. But sales have been going down strongly 19% two quarters ago, down 31% in the most recent quarter. It's a $6.5 billion company paying a 2.5% dividend. Can it keep up 2.5% dividend? Probably. Probably because they have a pretty strong cash flow. Now, this stock has been falling for over a year. Do you want to own a stock that's falling? I think it's too weak. So I, I probably stay away from it. I would stay away from Marathon Oil, MRO. This is our caller question bonus show. So let's go ahead and keep going. Hi, my name is Tina. I just turned 21 and I have 2000 from family to start my very first IRA. A lot of people have suggested to purchase the S&P 500. I'm planning to just purchase an ETF. But I noticed the NASDAQ was outperforming the 500 in the last 10 years. So would it be a bad idea to purchase the NASDAQ instead of the 500? And also, since the market is plummeting right now, how do I know when to purchase? Two very, very good questions. And you're so young, um, so you have plenty of time. 
plenty of time. Okay, what you need to understand is the S&P 500 moves differently than the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is loaded with tech companies, whereas the S&P 500 is also has a lot of tech companies, but also other big blue chip and small mid cap stocks. So the tech companies move up faster, but they also move down faster. For instance, in 2008, the S&P went down 50%. The tech companies, the NASDAQ heavy tech company index went down almost 70%. But then again, it moves up faster. So it's not a bad idea to put in the NASDAQ. How about this? Split it between the two. Put $1,000 in the SPY, which is the S&P 500, and put $1,000, you said you got 2000 for your IRA, or was it 25 Just split it into QQQs. That's the NASDAQ. I would probably do it that way. But there's nothing wrong with that idea. you got plenty of time. That's the beauty. And there is no there is no guessing the bottom. The market has fallen sharply. Go ahead and put half the money in. If it falls more, put the other half in. Remember, you have plenty of time. Plenty of time. Time will equal profits. Now, you may have noticed I'm moving along as, at a pretty fast clip here. So... This is so we can fit as many questions as we can. So this call came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hello, Invest Talk. It's Carlos from Beverly Hills, California. I have a question about USO is the United States oil. It looks like it's oversold on the daily. Just wondering if you think this is a great buying opportunity at buying at the lows. Thank you so much. I'll be listening. USO, United States Oil Fund, exchange-traded funds seeking performance corresponding to the spot price of oil. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yes, it is oversold. Uh, yes, if you're betting on oil prices going up, you, this is a good ETF to buy it. And, you know, I would not hesitate to put buy it here because it is. The oil prices are oversold. So, there should be a bounce. I prefer a big blue chip integrated oil company, but this is fine. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, everybody. The next caller asked about a stock ticker, UWT or DWT. Hello, my name is Kirkland Myers. I've been listening to the podcast for about a month, and uh, I have a question about oil. It's basically involving an ETF that's a three times levered um, volatility ETF that tracks the oil market and the energy market. So it has a, an inverse as well. Um, UWT is the long oil ETF and then DWT is the inverse. So uh, just your opinion on, you know, what you think you would get into if you had a, you know, one decision to make about oil, if you think you'd get in the inverse of oil or if you'd go long. I mean, they say the crude oil futures have lost their option or their uh, amount of contracts being purchased. So just wanted your opinion. Thank you again. My name is Kirkland Myers, big fan of the podcast. I would go long. I would go, uh, I don't like leveraged funds. But DWT is the long crude oil price. It's an exchange-traded fund seeking performance corresponding to the S&P crude oil oil index. I, I don't like leveraged funds because they can't keep up that leverage and it gets the uh, there, there's a tracking error. And the, the three times the tracking error is going to be pretty heavy going forward. But I would do the long ETF because oil has been beaten, been beaten up and I think it will probably come back. It might take a while, uh, but I think we've seen the short-term bottom in oil. Okay? Next caller. This is Talk. We are concentrating on our caller questions, so this came in earlier. Hi, guys. This is Kent in Arlington, Texas. I was calling to ask y'all a general question about conference calls. Do y'all listen to conference calls? And if you do, what do you listen for? Do you listen to the CFO or the CEO, or do you pay much attention to the questions the analysts are asking and, and their responses to their questions? Can you all give me a little info on that? Thank you, my friends. God bless you. Bye-bye. I really don't listen to I, – I don't listen to them. It's rare that I'll listen to a conference call. I will every so often if it's a company that I'm very interested in and things are happening and I wonder what the questions are going to be and how the CEO or CFO answers the question. The reason why I don't like listening to them because it's nothing but a show. They're going to show or talk about how great things are with their company. And I don't like the analysts – the analysts are kind of part of the show. 
seldom do they ask hard questions, really seldom. So if I know that they're going to ask hard questions, then I'd be more interested in listening to them. I'm talking about hard questions like, well, how come you lost money last year and your, your excuse that you lost money is because competition was tough, but isn't that your job to compete? You know, tough questions instead of, well, you know, that's nice. Uh, it's 20% growth. Are you sure you're going to be able to get it? You know, it's soft. I don't like that. That's why I don't listen to them. The next question came from a listener in Dallas, Texas, asking about symbol F-O-C-P-X. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Bob from Dallas. I'm looking at buying a Fidelity Mutual Fund for my IRA for the long term. F-O-C-P-X. Frank, Oscar, Charlie, Peter, and X. Fidelity OTC Portfolio. This fund seems to be beating the benchmark quite consistently, and I would like to buy it for my IRA. Please let me know your opinion. Thank you in advance. Bye. Before you buy this Fidelity over-the-counter fund, mutual fund, I think you need to understand how it works. What's in it? It's a Fidelity over-the-counter. Okay, what does that mean? I'm not even sure what it means. We'd have to do some research. Over-the-counter stocks, that's what that means. Okay, but do you have? Do they have a strategy? And what is their strategy? If you don't know it, don't buy it. And you not only have to know what the strategy is, you have to understand it. Um, and I'm, I, I would be very cautious here. If you're going to buy an index fund, why not buy an ETF index fund? Why buy a mutual fund? Every mutual fund has five symbols, everybody, and they end with X. That's how you know it's a mutual fund. ETFs usually don't. So they usually have three symbols and four symbols. Okay. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number, everybody. 888-992-4278. And let's talk to Brandon or take Brandon's question from Colorado. Hi, this is Brandon from Colorado. I was hoping to get your take on TransUnion, T-R-U. I got in at the IPO and I've been cost averaging my way up. Looks like it's doing well. I guess I just want to know if it's something I should stick with, keep buying more of, or sell. Thank you. Okay, TransUnion provides information, risk management to businesses and consumers in the U.S. and other countries. The IPO was several years ago. It's not brand new or anything. Um, It's doing quite well. The earnings are going up uh, 14% this year to $3.18 a share and estimated to go up another 13% next year at $3.60 a share. It's growing between 12 and 15% sales every quarter. It's not inexpensive, uh, 33 PE, uh, $96 stock at going to make 360, so that's a 30 plus PE. What you do whenever you have a big winner like this is you don't just sell it, okay, and you don't just sit on it. You rebalance it with your other portfolio. So, anyways, this is okay. So, for instance, if this thing is quadrupled or whatever it has done for you then you have to look at your portfolio. Is it now, was this thing now 12% of your overall portfolio? Well, maybe then you need to rebalance and cut it back some. If it's within, you know, 5 to 10% of of the portfolio, then you don't necessarily have to cut it back yet. But when it comes out of balance with everything else that you own, that's when you start rebalancing. You heard me talk about rebalancing at least once a year. That's when you do it. Okay. This is Invest Talk Podcast bonus show, everybody. We are moving along faster so we can fit in more questions. Hey, Steve or Justin. Thanks for taking my question. I am curious if switching my asset allocation during the current timing of the market right now would be a big mistake. What I'm talking about is inside my 401k, I currently have a target date fund, and the expense ratios are way higher than some of the funds I can pick on my own that will still diversify me as much as my target date fund. But I'm curious if I made that switch when the market's in a correction, am I going to lose out or am I going to make that up on the funds that I would pick being lower cost, if that makes any sense. I love the show and can't wait to hear your answer on the podcast. Thanks again. 
Okay, target date of funds. Those are the funds that have the date 2025, 2040, 2045, way out there. They could be way out there or they can be close. And you didn't tell me what year your target date of fund matures. If it's way out there, it's fully in the market and probably holds a bunch of indexes, index funds inside it. If it's really close, then it gets, it moves, as it gets closer to the retirement date, they buy more and more bonds. So if you wanted to be in the market, your target date should be way out there. And it, you will lose nothing or gain nothing necessarily by moving from that target date to individual funds, depending on the funds themselves and how they operate, what kind of funds you're going to buy. You won't lose not anything or gain anything just by making the switch. So I would prefer that you make a switch. I don't like target dated funds because I don't like the fact that they're kind of invisible of what they're doing. And I don't like the fact that they automatically go to more bonds as the date gets closer because what if it's not a good time to be into bonds? And I don't like bond funds. I like the individual bonds, but I don't like bond funds. So there's reasons I don't like it. Thanks for downloading this special podcast, everybody. This podcast is extra. Here comes another caller from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. I just had a question about uh, Silver Bow Resources, S-B-O-W. Pretty seems pretty oversold. I just want to know if you guys think this was a good buy. From a technical standpoint, the RSI is around 22, and it's hovering above a 52-week low right now. Just want to know if it's a good buy. Thanks again for all you do. RSI is relative strength indicator, you know, and relative strength, and they compare it with the S&P 500. That's what an RSI is. So it's a relative strength of this stock compared to the overall market, the S&P 500. And this is uh, Silver Bowl Resources engaged in the exploration production of oil and natural gas, primarily Eagle Ford trend of South Texas. And, of course, oil has been, been crushed recently. They are making money. They will make money. They're going to make less than they did before. But they're going to make $4.18 this year, four seventy-five next year. But last year, they made nine over $9 this year. So that's why it's been falling, falling, falling from around 26 down to $3.20. So it is oversold. That's pretty obvious. Has been oversold for a couple, three months. Um, and they have, they're very inexpensive. Uh, it is a very tiny company. That's your danger. It's so small, it, I, I, the, the chances of not surviving are pretty high. Or someone could buy them. I can see that happen too. Also, really good numbers: thirty-two percent on return on equity. Cash flow is strong at twelve dollars a share, so it's pretty strong company. Um, Two thousand fifteen, they lost fourteen dollars a share. And then the best they've ever had was 2009. They made nine dollars and seventy-four cents a share. This year, four dollars, and next year, four seventy-five. So you can see how erratic it is. So that's your chances. Sales fell twenty-one percent in the most recent quarter. So this is the kind of stock you roll the dice and take a chance and don't expose too much money to. It's too dangerous. I'm Steve Peasley, and this is a special Talk podcast program. You are listening to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Typically, in a 24 hour period, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein receive more new voice bank questions than they can fit into a live show format. So, in this bonus program, caller questions are being answered with brief but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Let's keep moving. Hi, Steve. This is Joe from New York. I'm looking at two REITs, OHI and SBRA. SBRA has an exceptionally high P.E. ratio of about 618. What does that mean or indicate exactly? Well, <laughs> that means that they don't make as much money. SBRA is Sabra Health care REIT, REIT that owns 463 healthcare-related properties in 38 states. Well, let's see what see what we have here. I don't see that, that what you're seeing. Something's wrong with your numbers. Uh, they're going to make $1.73 per share this year and $1.77 per share next year, and it's a $20 stock. Okay, so that means the P-E ratio is closer to 11. Okay, now the five-year range is 7 to 16, so it's in the middle of the range. Return on equity is pretty poor at 2, 2%. 
That's pretty poor. Pays an 8.8% dividend, and that's the only reason why you buy REITs. You really buy them for the dividend. So the dividend is pretty strong. It's a $3.9 billion company, so a mid-cap company. So um, that's why you would buy it. it. So I don't have the numbers that you have. I think there's something wrong with yours. So take a look at that. Take another look at it. Okay, the next investor caller question came in from Los Angeles asking about gold stocks. Hey guys, this is Dave from Los Angeles. Thanks for the great show. I bought some shares of IAU, IAUF, and GDX just prior to the deep market correction this week. And I've been a little bit surprised by the steep downward trend in gold. It seems to be moving in the same direction as the stock market in general. And I'm wondering whether I should expect these holdings to rebound at some point in the next few months or perhaps over the next year as we potentially enter into an inflationary monetary policy. Thanks. Well, yeah, I think they will go up because of the fear that we're experiencing. So they actually have done pretty well. They, for surprising, some of the mining stocks fell sharply, uh, even though fear got extended and the dollar has gone down sharply. So I think you hold them. I think we have another run up in gold and I think we're starting to see that now. So I would hold on to those positions, but don't overweight any sector. Don't. Now, I don't know if that is, what, I don't know if that's what you've done in your portfolio. I don't really know. Well, we'll transition from Los Angeles, California, to a caller question from Michigan. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Paul from Michigan. I'm calling about Graph Tech International, EAF. It got on my radar in the fall because Monash Pabrai put a big, a big amount of his portfolio into it, and uh, it's only gone down in price since then. So I'm wondering what you guys think about it. Thank you very much. Love the show. Bye. Okay, that's a good lesson. Don't listen to experts. Make your own judgment. Buy, sell things based on what you think is good. So EAF is Graph Tech International. It's a 2.4 billion dollar company. So it's kind of small mid cap right in there. Uh, manufactures carbon graphite products for the metal production, electronics, and transportation industry. Okay, they're going to make $2.13 this year after making $2.58 last year and $2.87 the year before. So the last couple of years has been falling here. Next year, they say that they're going to rebound to $2.53. Sales in the most recent quarter went down 22% year over year. This, the quarter before that was down 7% year over year. A few years ago, though, a few quarters ago, there were growth was very strong. So the comparison's kind of tough. It's an $8.35 stock, going to make $2.53. So that tells you that the P.E. is pretty low, about four. So I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is one of those stocks you kind of can take a shot at. They pay a 4.1% dividend. I'm not sure why they're doing that, um, but maybe because it's, you know, I don't know why they're paying a dividend at all because they IPO'd in 2018. I mean, they're too small, really, too young. I would not pay a dividend. But they are, do have a 4.1% dividend. I think they should take that money and roll it into growth. It is inexpensive, so it's a good value at this price. Let's say that. Okay, this is a special Talk bonus show, and the next caller is from the East Coast, Atlanta, Georgia. This came in early on, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Stone from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm a rel relatively new investor, and I was wondering your thoughts on uh, Ford. I see that it's a relatively cheaper stock price, and um, just want to know what your thoughts were, if it's a good time to buy or not. Thank you guys so much. Uh, your podcast is absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Well, thanks for the nice comments. Uh, Ford is a very cyclical company, cyclical meaning attached to an economic cycle. The, and we are pretty much at the top of our cycle. So that's one of the reasons why the car companies have been falling. They don't do great at tops of cycle because of the next fall in the cycle. And so everybody's anticipating the economic cycle to slow down and car companies don't do good in a slowing down economy. So that's why, even though it's a cheap stock, very low priced. I mean, it's going to make a dollar twenty-eight next year. It's a seven-dollar stock, 
I mean, that's what, six, five, six PE? That's pretty darn cheap. Uh, they pay an 8.5% dividend, and that's pretty high. And, of course, it's Ford Motor Company, you know, uh, $28 billion size company. So I would say this. There's a good price, good price to buy it, but you're going to have to be very patient and be content with the dividends uh, because you're not going to get probably a lot of capital appreciation. It might go back up to $9 or so after being crushed here in this uh, you know, recent coronavirus scare. But that's what I would think. Now, here comes a question we seem to get every now and then. Caller wants to ask about student loans. Hey, this is Michael, and I wanted to call and ask about student loans. And if you thought that paying the entire loan off at once, if you're able to, is a good idea or not. I graduated around a year ago and have about $9,000 in loans left at a 4% interest rate. And I recently got a bonus for my job as well as my tax return back. So I have more than enough just sitting in my checking account to pay the entire thing off and wanted to get your opinion on it. Thanks. Okay, 4% is not too expensive, but the first thing I would ask, and I need to have more information, if you're working, do you get, do you, are you contributing to a 401k? Do you get any match from the 401k? You know, I put money to that. But in general, I like paying off loans. I don't like loans. Car loans, credit card loans, you have no credit card loans. You should pay off the credit card loans first if you have any. Anything paying more than 4%, pay that off first. Pay your, your highest interest rate first off. Then go to your student loans. But make sure you're maxing out your 401k if you're getting a match. Make sure you're doing that first. That's the very first thing you want to think about. I'm Steve Peasley. And we're moving at a pretty fast rate. Here comes another question from 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. I have a question regarding the VIAC, uh, which is Viacom. What's your thought on this? Is it a goodbye now? Thank you. Okay. VIAC, Viacom, VIAC. I'm putting it into my computer here. I got several pieces of software I'm looking at, and it's gotten beaten up just like the rest of the market. It went from uh, 35 down to 23 in a couple weeks. Uh, global media company engaged in TV broadcasting, motion picture production, and publishing. Publishing Its earnings are going to go up 9% this year, then another up 11% next year. Sales have fallen in the most recent quarter by, quarter by about 3%. It's an $8.6 billion company paying 4.2% dividend, very high return on equity. I think this is a buy opportunity. I would wait to see if the stock kind of starts to move up before I move into it. But it's awful inexpensive, and I think this is the area you want to be a buyer of if you want to be in this stock. Okay, so yeah, this is the time to do it. Our next question before the break comes from our Delaware. Hi, Justin. This is Harry from Newark, Delaware. I've been investing in a few companies where I saw some inverse head and shoulders patterns, PayPal, Taiwan Semiconductor, and eHealth. They worked out real well. These patterns aren't very easy to find, but I'm looking at one in Anglo Gold, symbol AU. Uh, I'd like your opinion on it. It looks like the last six months there could be a inverse head and shoulders, or it could be a triple or quadruple top. I'm not really sure. Just want to get your opinion on it and see what the trigger would be that would indicate this is truly a inverse head and shoulders and, and not a topping pattern. Thank you. Okay, this is an Anglo Gold company, South African gold producer with 14 operations in 10 countries located in South Africa and continental Africa. Uh, it's making going to make $2 next year a share, makes $1.96 a share this year, $1.80 last year. Um, I don't see the head and shoulders. Head and shoulders is a pattern in the chart, a one-year chart, and it's a particular pattern. Pattern. He's looking for an inverse, meaning the head's pointing down, the shoulder's pointing a little higher, and I don't see it. I see a topping action. I actually, I see a, 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 a trading range between, oh, about 1850 and 23.50. It's been in that range since, for August, since August. So right now, it's right in the middle of that range, um, and is the stock worth it? Well, going to make $2. It's $20 stock, so that's $10, 10 PE. And the five-year range is low as been nine. That's as low as it goes. So I kind of like where it is. If you think gold's going to go up, this will work. So the symbol AU, everybody, Anglo Gold. 
Well, I tried to keep things moving quickly. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for listening to this special Talk bonus podcast. It's not over. We're going into a short break, and after which, Justin Klein will take over duty here at our answer desk. So stay with us. Justin is up next. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You are listening to a special InvestTalk bonus program, the InvestTalk Rapid Fire Hour. Caller questions are being answered with brief but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Hello, and thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast. I'm Justin Klein, and we've been tracking our podcast download numbers, and they've been increasing month over month at a pretty dramatic pace. And this is very exciting for us. And as you can imagine, more listeners results in more live show callers and also a greater number of voice bank questions as well. So it's getting harder and harder, harder to fit in all of those voicemails into each show. And we are dedicated, and we're dedicating this show to our pre-recorded caller questions from you. And the calls came in earlier on 888.99 chart, and I will provide as many answers as possible in this bonus podcast. So let's get started. Hi, this is Allie from California, and I'm calling to ask about your opinion regarding Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. I inherited some stocks from my father, but I have no clue regarding these two and the outlook and what to do with it. If you could help, that would be great. Thank you so much. Are looking at Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, and these are names that were casualties of the financial crisis. However, they're getting a little bit of life recently because of some lawsuits by big hedge funds and shareholders basically saying that the government is treating them unfairly, taking their profits and not allowing those profits to flow through to shareholders and that the company has paid back all of what was borrowed in the financial crisis. And so there's a lot of lawsuits going on and the end result of the lawsuit will be is unknown. We don't know what the judges are going to finally decide and how the these entities are going to change form. Uh, now, if they change form in the benefit of shareholders, common shareholders, you could see a big skyrocket in these prices. You're talking about 500 to 1,000% return rather quickly, depends on the results. But there can be results that are bad for common shareholders, but good for preferred shareholders. And then the preferred shares are going to go up dramatically. So there's a lot of different outcomes. I don't know which one uh, is going to prevail. But from my understanding, the situation is that there's a pretty good chance that common shareholders will make out here. And the risk reward on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac shares are pretty good. Now, it's very high risk. You could have a, a decision that's detrimental, very detrimental to shareholders and lose 50, 75, 100% rather quickly. But when you have you know, 100% potential downside, but 
maybe a thousand percent potential upside. To me, that's a good risk reward. So I like it. Uh, I wouldn't put a big portion of my portfolio, but maybe a small position makes a lot of sense. Now let's keep moving. The next question came in from a listener in Columbus, Ohio. Hey guys, this is Peter from Columbus. Thanks for the show. I love it. I just had a quick question about options. So I've been trading options for about the last few months and it's been going well for me. But I was just curious. I understand the concept of it pretty well, but as far as the time to expiration and things like that, and then the, the possibility of profit, does the length of time itself actually impact it? Um, now I understand that there's you know the expiration and, and strikes and all that stuff, but let's say I were to make a call, I were to buy an option for a week or an option for 45 days with the same strike price. Would that impact the potential profit that I could make outside of just the time to expiration or how does that formula kind of work? Hopefully I can get this answered. Really appreciate it. Thanks guys. Love the show. Great question. And the fact that you asked me that question makes me worried that you're actually trading options because you should know this is the basics of options. So when you're buying an option, you likely want to go farther out, meaning, you know, yes, your payoff could be higher or will be higher if you buy a shorter dated option, say a week or a month out, uh, because the time value that you're, uh, that you're paying for is very small relative to longer dated options maybe two months, three months, six months, maybe even a year out, you're paying a much bigger premium for that option because you're buying a lot of time. And the odds are you're gonna need that time. Now you certainly could get a quick payoff and the stock might move rather quickly on you and you're going to get a big return. That's certainly possible. But when you buy more time, it gives you more time for your bet to eventually pay off. If you buy a week option, year a uh, month option right where it expires relatively quickly you're up against the clock you're already on the clock for that to play out and if it doesn't you could lose all of your money rather quickly so i always say if you're going to buy options you want to be going further out in the expiration uh scale and if you're selling options whether that's a call or a put you want to be shorter you want to get that time value decay to be happening rather quickly. So it depends on which side of the, the ledger you're on, the whether you're a buyer option or a seller of options, but that's kind of how they work. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk and this special Invest Talk podcast bonus show. And now here comes another listener question. This time a call from Michigan. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is John from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Really want to say I enjoy the show. And my question is about DuPont DD, D as in dog. It looks like in the past 12 months, it's gone down a lot, almost a full 30%. And from what I've read, the debt to equity ratio is fairly decent. I was wondering your guys' input on that stock and if now is a good time to buy because it also looks like it's stabilizing right now. That's my opinion. Wondering what you guys think. Thank you. I was looking at DuPont, DD is the symbol, and this is in a, a very strong downtrend. Let me look at its 52-week, wow, this was well over $100 a share just in early 2018. Now we're at $42 a share at the close today, 42.42. And revenues are down 6% year over year, earnings down 33% year over year. So their business is suffering dramatically. now. Their debt is is relatively modest compared to their market cap, but as that price of the stock continues to march lower, that $17 billion-ish in long-term debt looks more and more ominous, especially as their cash flows dwindle and dwindle. The cash from operations have gone from, let's see, about seven, almost $8 billion back in 2015. Now we're at $1.4 billion. So that's the biggest worry here, and I don't like it. I think this is uh, going to be on a continuous downtrend. There's no strength whatsoever in the chart. Uh, it's still a decent amount of debt on their balance sheet in a business that is struggling in an economy that is getting weaker and weaker. So I would absolutely pass on DuPont for now. This looks like a name that's at least going to $30 a share, and it could return to its 2019 lows in the teens. So stay away from it for right now. But I will, I do think eventually it will be a good value 
if they can turn around their business. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast bonus show. In this hour, I'm focusing solely on caller questions, which are retrieved from our voice bank. Our anytime listener line never closes, so when you have a finance or investment question, give it a call at 888-99-CHART. Now let's go to Chicago. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Jay Clark calling from Chicago again. Just had a question about commodities in general. You see the gold mini shares. You see the gold direction, the, the three-time leverage, you know, all type of different types of commodity holdings. Just wanted you to explain, you know, the differences between those different type of commodity holdings and what they mean to us as investors. I um, hope to hear it on the show. Thank you. All right. Well, commodities can be broken up in a lot of different ways. You have your energy commodities, right? Your oil, coal, natural gas. You have your soft commodities. You're talking about sugar, grain, corn, etc. You also have your precious metal commodities, your gold, your silver, your platinum, etc. So they all have very different use cases, very different properties, and they act very different in their price action in the marketplace. When you have a tough economic environment like right now, you're going to see the energy commodities do much worse and the precious metal commodities do much better. Now, you can invest in ETFs that track particular prices of those different commodities or a basket of commodities. That's one way to gain access. You can also own the individual companies who mine, produce those type of commodities. right? Or you can buy an ETF that owns a lot of the companies and you get broad diversification like a GDX owns a bunch of gold miners or you can invest in ETFs that are leveraged and then that is a speculative vehicle of to, to help capitalize on the movement of the underlying commodity or the shares of the companies who produce that underlying commodity. So all of them have different risk factors. Uh, I think the, the lowest risk is going to be the actual commodity because it's a direct link. A little bit higher risk would be investing in directly in the companies that produce them. There's a little more leverage typically to those prices, right? Where gold miners, for example, typically have a two and a half to three times the overall volatility of gold prices. So if gold prices do well, you're probably going to do much better in individual gold mining names. But you have to pick the right ones as well. So if you don't have the expertise to understand which ones to pick, then you want to buy an overall ETF and you get broad diversification. If you have a very strong conviction, you could buy a leverage ETF to the shares or the underlying gold price or commodity price, whatever you're looking at, and use it as a trade. But you wouldn't want to own those and hold them long term. Hope that helped. Now let's go straight back to our Invest Talk voice bank. This question came in earlier at 8899 chart, asking about ticker symbol CPE. Hey, my name's Tony. I listen to your show all the time. You guys do a pretty good job. You've been recommending all these oil stocks lately, and uh, I definitely have been looking into a lot of them. I was looking at CPE. It's a, a smaller oil company. I, I'm invested in ExxonMobil and a couple other ones, but I was looking at this one in the P ratios and the price book ratios are really low, and I was wondering if it would be in, in a good buy potentially with all the Corona news and everything passing through. Thanks. Bye. All right, looking at Calon Petroleum CPE. This is a relatively small company, four hundred million dollar market cap, down eight point seven percent today, dollar seventy seven. And this looks like a bankruptcy name. Uh, enterprise value is $3.9 billion, which means they have about $3 billion in debt on their balance sheet. And when you get a name trading at single digits, remember, don't think that single digits mean cheap. Oftentimes, single digits mean financial distress. Okay, So don't look at the overall share price and think that that's cheap. More companies are cheap when they're trading over $100 a share than those that are trading below $10 a share. Remember that. It's a very, very important lesson for everybody to learn. When you get these companies trading at pennies, they are there likely for a reason, and that reason is because they're likely to go bankrupt. So I would absolutely stay away from CPE. And when I say I'm recommending all these oil names, you have to be very judicious. You have to avoid names like this. Avoid names that have bankruptcy risk like a CPE 
you, and, and have lots of debt. Stick with companies that have strong assets, diversified revenue streams, and can afford their ongoing operations. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast bonus show. You are listening to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Typically, in a 24 hour period, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein receive more new voice bank questions than they can fit into a live show format. So, in this bonus program, caller questions are being answered with brief but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Let's keep moving. Hi, my name is Scott. I'm a brand new investor. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I was interested in the stock WWE, the ones that are currently financing the XFL. Their stock is at a pretty good low right now, and they've had a really nice 52-week high in the past. So I was wondering if it was smart to invest in them now or wait to see how the XFL goes. The other question was, Diamond Eagle, they're supposed to merge with DraftKings. I didn't know if this was true or not, or just a rumor. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thank you very much. Are right, looking at World Wrestling Entertainment, and I did not know that they were the ones that were financing the XFL. That's pretty interesting. That makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, if you're going to compete with the NFL or at least be a sub-brand, right, where you're kind of piggybacking on the popularity of the NFL, you're going to need to develop some consistency, multiple seasons, and I think there could be a place and a profitable place for that. So uh, interesting strategy, but the chart on WWE continues to go lower and lower and lower, and they've cut their dividend. Um, I just don't like I just don't like it overall, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, they cut their big dividend way back in 2011, but it's a business that uh, doesn't have stellar long-term profitability. Uh, it's pretty volatile and I just don't like those type of businesses. So uh, it's certainly high risk. Uh, and the main thing for me is the chart. The chart continues to remain weak. So I would certainly pass on World Wrestling Entertainment. Let's go to DEAC. And he's saying they're buying DraftKings. I don't know that. I didn't know that. I don't really have a lot of information on that. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of information about on this company. A $900 billion market cap, DAC. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, I have no real information. This is, it's a blank check company. I really you would need more information and my systems aren't giving me enough. So I would pass on it uh, unless I got more information. Now, please tell your friends about Invest Talk and this special Invest Talk podcast bonus show. And now here comes another listener question. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Dave from Indiana. I have about two-thirds of my retirement sitting in cash right now, and I want to get back into the market at some point. It's still within a 401k, so I'll have to go back into mutual funds. How do I get back in considering the uh, volatility right now? Do I just dollar cost average in, and do I need to wait for a certain event before I uh, start? And also, is this something that your active 401k program would uh, help out with? I appreciate your time, and I love your show. Thanks. Uh, the answer is yes. I think active 401k would be a great choice for that to figure out when to uh, to get in uh, to the market and which funds in your options, fund options, are going to be the best for the particular market environment because it ranks the funds based on uh, cost, right? The underlying expense ratio, the market trends, the relative performance to peers within that particular group of the market, uh, as well as your risk tolerance. So all those things are very important when making those decisions and active 401k would be the best choice. Absolutely. So head over to investtalk.com, click on investment programs, and then active 401k, and you can see the subscription options. Now let's keep the pace moving and go straight back to our Invest Talk Voice Bank. This question came earlier at 888.99 chart. And this time the listener is calling from Cincinnati. Hi, Steve. It's Mark from Cincinnati. I had a question about PTR, Petro China Company, looking to get into the oil field. I want to know what your guys' thoughts were for the uh, long term and the future for this company. Thanks. 
are looking at PetroChina. PTR is the symbol. Been a name, name have been around for a long time. However, the price of the stock continues to sink. You go back on a monthly chart. This is a name that back in 2007 was trading at $266 a share. Now we're at $39 a share. So certainly a strong erosion of shareholder capital of that time. It does yield about 2.1%. It's headquartered in China and it's going to be very tied to the prospects of the Chinese economy. And frankly, I am not a fan of the future of the Chinese economy. Now they have a lot of people, um, but they've built their economy on exports uh, uh, and they're backed by a the Chinese Communist Party, which I think is going to run into a lot of political problems, both domestically and abroad over the next 10, 20 years. So I'm not a fan of PetroChina. If I want to gain access to the oil space, I'm going to look for big diversified names that have assets all over the world and aren't domiciled in a volatile area like China. This is a special Invest Talk podcast bonus show. We get calls from all over the world. And here's a question from Denmark. Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Garth here from Denmark. A huge thanks for your show. I've been listening for a few years now, almost every day. I have a question on Newcrest Mining, an Australian gold mining company. Ticker NCM, November Charlie Mike. Just like to know your opinion on uh, buying the stock at this price. Thanks very much, and I'll listen to your answer on the podcast. Bye. Our new Crest Mining, this is an Australian-based gold miner and copper as well, but mainly gold, and they have mines in Indonesia, looks like Australia and Papua New Guinea. Let's see. Look, I'm trying to see what the Newcrest is one of the large global gold producers, but accounts for less than 3% of total supply. So it's a pretty big name, $14.7 billion market cap. What concerns me a little bit here is the technicals. Gold is near an all-time high, not all-time high, sorry, 52-week high, shall we say. And this is well off of it. It's 52-week high is back around $26 a share. Now we're at $18.80. So I don't like the relative strength there. That worries me a little bit. But I love the gold mining space in general. Yields about 1.1%. Certainly can afford that dividend with a payout ratio of only 31%. So I like what you're looking at in that space, uh, but I don't like that relative strength. I want to know why. What's what's causing them to lag so hard? Uh, you know, we have a lot of names that are right near 52-week uh, highs and in the gold mining space, and. They're there for a reason because they're performing well. And this does not look like a name from an operating perspective that's performing well and that's being reflected, reflected in the share price. And that's why I would pass on it and look for bigger, better performing names. Next up, a caller from Los Angeles asking about international exposure and Uber. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name is Calvin from Los Angeles. I have two questions for you. The first one is acknowledging that now is probably not the right time to do this because of the coronavirus concerns, but I'd long-term like to get some international exposure in my IRA, and I'm wondering um, if you guys have a couple of recommendations for how best to do that. And then the second question is whether you could give me a brief synopsis of Uber as a holding. Thank you. Well, I can't give you specific recommendations on what to buy overseas, uh, but buying a, a strong ETF, if you don't want to do the individual company research uh, in different regions, I, I would like uh, I would like Asia X China. I think that would be a great type of fund to own if you're looking for foreign exposure. Europe is certainly uh, going to have trouble, but they're they're cheap. Uh, the, the area is cheap, uh, so you're right. It isn't a great great time from a timing perspective, but I think we're you have much better values overseas, and I think increasing and looking for opportunities to increase your exposure overseas is certainly a smart thing to do. Now on Uber, Uber is now in a downtrend. It continues in a downtrend from its IPO, and it's now at $30 a share. And as long as we have the coronavirus scare in the world, this is going to suffer. Right? Less people are going to want to be in confined spaces with people that they don't know who may be contagious or, you know, we're in a, in a, you know, in a car where a lot of other people who may be carrying the coronavirus were sitting, right? And therefore, 
I think people are going to be taking Ubers less, traveling less, et cetera. So certainly a poor time to be uh, owning share price, uh, shares of Uber. But I do think there is some long-term value here. I think they can turn a profit. Uh, they should be able to turn a profit as long as their uh, businesses run a little bit better. I think you need to shed Uber Eats. Uh, and once they shed Uber Eats, I think you're going to see some improvement in their operations. Uh, but I, And I think they will do that over the next year or two. So certainly a company that I would have my eye on, but I would not buy it here at $32. I would look for the low 20s. That's the area that I'm eyeing Uber, and that's where I would like to own it. This is a special Invest Talk podcast bonus show. We call it the Rapid Fire Hour. As you can tell, I'm moving at a fast pace. My objective is to provide solid answers and unbiased guidance and get to as many listener questions as possible. So let's keep going. Hi, Stephen Justin. First of all, thank you for what you do. It's really helping people. I have a question about Excel. E-X-E-L. I'm looking at buying some shares. Let me know what you think. Thank you. Bye. All right, looking at EXEL. This is Exilus Incorporated. It's a biotech firm developed novel small molecule therapies to treat cancer. It's off its 52 week high of $32 and change. Now we're at 19.18. So, uh, but the chart is still decent long term, even though you've had a roughly 30% drop in the share price. Uh, it's still in a longer term uptrend. So that's a positive. However, the results recently are not doing very great. Uh, the revenue growth has slowed dramatically to 5% year over year last quarter. Earnings down 37% last quarter. And for 2020, earnings are expected to drop 65% year over year. That is the issue here. I don't know enough about their drugs to really tell you whether this is a great long-term buy. Why uh, are, are profits dropping? I think that's a big question. Is that because reimbursement rates are dropping? That's what I need to understand. What is the source of that drop in earnings? Because revenue is still growing. So margins are being squeezed for whatever reason. And I want to know why that is. The positive, it looks like, is that there's minimal debt in its balance sheet. I like that. Enterprise value EBITDA is 12. That's not super expensive. But if earnings continue to shrink, it suddenly will become expensive at these prices. So you really need to understand what that causes. Is it short term or is it long term? If it's short term, I think it's a solid buy. If it's a more of a long-term erosion of profit margins, I would stay out of it. We have time for one more caller question out of Chicago. Hello, guys. This is Jay calling from Chicago. I just have a question on gold, um, the price specifically. I know there's different ETFs such as IAU and there's GLD and there's the direction three times um, shares. Just need some advice on you know which of those ETFs is right for a long-term investor i'm only 24 years old so just trying to decipher between the gld really um and the iau i believe it's called you know what's the biggest difference between those types of etf thank you and look forward to hearing the answer on the show all right looking at iau versus gld and that's pretty simple they're they're both pretty much the same they're tracking gold the gold price and the expense ratio on GLD is 0.4%, 0.4%, and IAU is 0.25%. So if I'm a long-term holder of gold and you're looking to add that to your portfolio, IAU is absolutely the best one to hold because of that lower expense ratio. However, companies can or fund providers can change expense ratios whenever. So maybe one day gold GLD gets down there or maybe even below, and I could see that actually happening where they're fighting for assets lowering expense ratios and to a race to the bottom. And that would actually be a good thing for everybody in the marketplace. But for right now, IAU is the leader in cost, and that's the one I would hold over GLD. But that may change in the future. Well, this completes our first Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour podcast. I'm Justin Klein, and thank you for listening to this special Invest Talk bonus podcast. Please tell your friends in, about our program and our website, investtalk.com. Remember, our philosophy at KP Financial independent thinking, shared success. You can learn about our unbiased guidance and a variety of our investment programs at investtalk.com.
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 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 888-99-C